people lie for one of two reasons. The one, the liar believes that he or she is going to yield more from telling a lie than from telling the truth. And two, the liar is unable to discriminate what truth really is. And I think that number two is the one that gets most of us in the trouble. Welcome to Black At It, the next adventure with Gail and Tia. We are back. And Gail, are you still Black? I'm still Black. So How about I. you? I'm still Black, <laughs> still Black, still loving it. And I'm so excited we're back again. So how was your week? Tell me what was going on. Well, you know, after a almost three-week vacation, I went back to work. And actually a staycation. And I went back to work and it was funny. I went back to work for a day and then we had the next day off and it was the weekend. So, <laughs> But it's been good. You know, I tried to really relax and take advantage of being off work. How about you? Yeah, I was off also for a week or so and I had to kind of get back in the groove. It was hard to get back mm-hmm. and go back to work and deal with all of the things, the emails, you know how I feel about email. But mm-hmm. one of the things that I did get a chance to do was watch the series Women of the Movement. That mm-hmm. came on ABC. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Mm-hmm. And they were telling the story of Mamie Till, really, the Emmett Till story. But what I found or what jumped out at me was two things. One, the power and strength of Black mothers. Mm -hmm. I I don't think we highlight that enough or talk about that or get the credit for that. But the second was the power of storytelling, because you really got a sense of who this person was. Mm -hmm. And though this was a tragic, horrible event, how this woman and her character and her strength was portrayed and told in this story just stood out tremendously. I mean, it's a series, so it's going to go on. Mm -hmm. But I just loved how they told that story. Yeah. And storytelling is just more than facts. It paints the picture. It evokes the emotion of what has happened. And I think it teaches us to be more aware of differences, for example, different cultures. And I think storytelling can also help us cope with things because we learn how, you know, the main character or the hero of a story overcomes. Right. And you can see yourself in that person or or even see traits that you may want to enhance or Mm -hmm. adopt Mm -hmm. in yourself. And with this woman, you know, she was in the midst of this grief and you saw and the way the story was told how that grief shifted into this is going to be a message. Mm -hmm. This is going to be something that the world sees, takes in and we're going to get information, message, emotion is evoked, all of that Mm -hmm. in what has happened and how she processed that and knew enough to make that a point. So I just, it was just amazing. Right. And that's why we're so lucky to have our next guest. Mm -hmm. And so let me introduce her. Uh, Jill Collins is New Orleans' hottest mystery writer and the creator of the Morgan Jane Winters murder mystery series with a message storytelling with a message. (laughs) And she is working on her third installment of the series. She currently has two books out, 
the first one is surrender. The second is hide and seek. And she will soon release liar. So Jill Collins, she is a clinical research coordinator by day and an author at night and a flautist on the side. So welcome, Jill, to Black Edit. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Sure. We're so glad you're here. Mm -hmm. So you are a storyteller, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, tell us your take and the importance of storytelling for you. So honestly, to me, storytelling is crucial to writing. Right. Mm -hmm. But I also think it's crucial to us peeling back our own personal layers to be able to tell your story to yourself and to someone else. If you have children Mm -hmm. or grandchildren or if you're mentoring someone, everyone has stories within. Everybody's not necessarily gifted with the ability to write uh, or to tell stories in that way. But everyone Mm -hmm. has a story. So it's kind of crucial in life to know your story and crucial to writing to be able to tell that story, that beginning, that middle, and that end. Those words in writing, that story you're telling, is what draws the reader to that event, what Mm -hmm. can make it personal for you, Gail, or Tia, reading my writing is connecting my story with your story, whether it's my personal story or whether it's my um, story that I'm telling on paper, mm-hmm. but it's connecting with you some sort of way. So I think it's crucial in life, whether it's for entertainment purposes or even for knowledge purposes, like it's important for us to know our history here in America, right? As African-Americans, or it's important to know the history of America, the honest, mm-hmm. the real history, uh, that story that's being told, that has been told. If you distort the story, if it's not the real story, you generally going to get distorted, unreal results or unreal or perhaps an unhealthy way of being in life. Told a little bit about you in from your bio. I grew up in New Orleans in an area called Train Park. And mother and daddy raised four of us. I have two older brothers and a younger sister. We lost my older brother a couple of years ago, sadly. But growing up, mother was a school teacher and daddy was a postal service worker, a letter carrier, mailman, whatever name you want Mm -hmm. to call it by day. And he was a jazz musician by night. So it kind of runs in, in the genes. He required all four of the kids to learn music. And I asked my daddy for a violin. He bought me a flute. So (laughs) it's a true story. It wasn't until about maybe five, 10 years ago that I, it finally dawned on me why daddy didn't get me a violin. Because I still love the violin to this day. That's my favorite instrument. Because the fingering on a flute is quite similar to that of a saxophone. And the saxophone was daddy's main instrument, although daddy played everything and anything, but the sax was his main instrument. Mm -hmm. And so he was able to really instruct me on the flute early on. So that's my upbringing in terms of what mother and daddy gave us. Mother gave me the, I guess I'd say the intellect. Uh, She was a school teacher. She was quite disappointed that none of her kids did too well in math, but (laughs) be that as it may, I grew up playing the flute, uh, singing in the church choir, playing the flute in the choir, and started writing when I was uh, pretty much a preteen. That was a way for me to get out what was going on inside of me. 
early on, mother and daddy were not much different from anybody else, mm-hmm. that they told us to keep a stiff upper lip. And mm-hmm. that's kind of sort of how we dealt with things. But in reality, we all have feelings. And when things happen to us, we all kind of need to feel them and express them and let it flow in and out of you. Otherwise, if you try to suppress it and keep it inside, it's going to come out on its own some kind of ugly way. So eventually I started journaling about the things that were going on in my life. And as I got older, my imagination became uh, something that was real, something that was uh, God-given, I'd say. And I grew to learn that I had the quote unquote, the what if factor that something writers call being able to or I don't know if it's about being able to, it's just something that we do whenever there's something that goes on. You say, well, what if it didn't really happen that way? What if it happened this way? Or what if something changes and it becomes something other than what you think it's going to be? Eventually, I fused the two of those together and started writing fiction that had something to do with those words that I was journaling all those years. And it wasn't until, I'd say, a little later that I started on that clear-cut journey to create my first novel. But I've always known that I was going to write a book. Didn't know that I was going to write several books. Didn't know that I was going to write a mystery series. And that came about because I decided that I didn't have to put it all in one book. And I decided I'd make a series. I grew up in New Orleans. I went to Tulane. I got a degree in sociology. Sociology lent itself to the idea of research and studying, a continual study. I got a degree in sociology from Tulane. In another life, I also got an associate degree in drafting engineering. I ended up working in research. That's another thing I've always seen myself doing, studying and learning more about something for a living. And eventually, I decided to start the Morgan Jane Winters Murder Mystery Series with a message. Well, that brings us to Dr. Morgan Jane Winters. So this is the lead character in this mystery series. Tell us about her and tell us about the inspiration to create her. Yeah. So honestly, this is one of my favorite things to talk about. So the inspiration behind Morgan Jane is multifaceted. I'd like to first start with saying I have for so long longed to see someone in authority that looked like me, right? And someone who not only looked like me in authority, but she was smart. And when bad things happened to her, she did the right thing instead of necessarily the the gratuitous thing. She was able to also encourage others in what she did, but I also wanted to make her very human and uh, humorous in that she is human. And we all do funny things on a regular basis. So in creating Morgan Jane Winters, I wanted someone relatable and I wanted someone that people liked, maybe not loved because she's imperfect. Everybody's not going to love her, but a lot of people do love her though. So I do enjoy that. That was my vision with Morgan Jane Winters, that character. And that still continues on. She's in each novel when we deal with these mysteries and these murders and these acts that people do and then peeling back their layers. She's continuously peeling back her own layers as well. And that's one thing that I love, that this is actually a character that represents us, really, Black women 
the smart, the savvy, the ability to figure things out, the problem solver. You know, I just love that that is someone who's that lead character and the focus of this book. And it's really important for us to have these types of characters. It is. I agree. You know, I've watched a lot of TV and I've seen a lot of movies and I'm always not that that they've never existed and that they don't exist, but I'm always longing for more. And I don't know what point it came in my life when I decided, well, you know, I can just create that and I'll just read my own stuff (laughs) and um, read other people's stuff and make it look like make the lead characters look like me in my head. So it's very important for us to see ourselves on the big screen, quote unquote, or in literature. It was so important for us all those years ago to see Oprah Winfrey, right? It really was. And even to this day, when I see her every now and then, I'm still uh, not only impressed, but encouraged. So when I write the things that Morgan Jane Winters does, I'm always thinking about how can I help us as a people? One other thing in my thinking about this particular character, you know, she's a psychiatrist, right? And uh, she's helping the New Orleans Police Department solve crimes. I made her a psychiatrist because that is something that African-Americans have shied away from therapy and counseling. And we have more, almost just as much right, I'll put it that way, just as much right as anyone to uh, seek counseling and to seek help. We've been through a lot, specifically here in America, and to, for us to deny that we've been affected by the things we go through is not necessarily helpful to us. And I know there's something to be said about prayer. Prayer is great, great prayer works. But you know, that almighty God we pray to also gave us therapy and therapists, right? Yeah. I'm gonna stop talking for a minute. So look, you've referred to yourself as a student of life and you are intrigued by the workings of the mind. Mm -hmm. And so you have this character, a psychiatrist, Dr. Winters. Do you see Mm -hmm. similarities between you and her? Yeah, you know, Gail actually get asked that question a lot. And I understand why, especially if you look at the way I describe it, she looks like a better version of me. Of course, there are absolutely similarities. And I think the biggest thing that's similar between the two of us is what we look like. She looks better than me. She's slimmer and, um, you know, she, she just looks better. <laughs> and I, I don't know about that. I, no, she does. <laughs> and, and, she, and she's smarter than me. She does have the gift of hindsight, right? When I create what she does, I can think of what happened before, what's going on now, what's going to happen in the future, and I can decide what she does. Um, So she's smarter than me in writing, but she is very human and she makes very human mistakes. And that's definitely me. She can sometimes have a wit about her that is um, sarcastic. But honestly, Gail, I see a little bit of myself in almost all of the characters, maybe not the seedy characters, but (laughs) (laughs) uh, but, uh, I see a little bit of myself in almost all of the characters, I guess mostly it. So the next book coming up, we talked about you have Surrender and Hide and Seek, but the next book you have coming up is Liar. Mm -hmm. And let's talk a little bit about that book. Tell us about the concept there. Liar. It's basically about lies and the lies people tell, the lies people hear. And in my thinking, the worst lie of all, the lie 
that people believe. And when we open the first few pages of Liar, uh, we stumble upon a carjacking. Judge Ethan Holmes and his wife, Eliza, and they are met with a tragic end. His life is taken. He's murdered in that carjacking. Right. Terrible, terrible, terrible. I'm not giving away a huge plot. It's in the first couple of pages. (laughs) And you turn a few more pages and we will find out that it wasn't so much carjacking gone bad as it was more of a hit. Someone wanted to see him dead. So as we keep turning the pages, we have four main characters. That's Judge Ethan Holmes, who's now dead, but we will reference him in the entire book. His wife, Eliza Holmes, who's living quite the lie of a life. The district attorney, Jay Childs, who's actually a holdover from hide and seek. And he also is living quite the lie of a life, being in charge of the city of New Orleans. And we have the honorable judge, Peyton Malone, who is deliciously egomaniacal. Oh, You know, I honestly, my three books, and this is the third one, they're like my babies. The Middle Child, Hide and Seek, didn't get as much of attention as I would have loved to have given it uh, once I wrote it in terms of publicity. That's when, Gail, I don't know if you remember this, that's kind of when I I left Maryland. That's when my marriage ended. And uh, so I had a lot going on in my life at that time. Mm -hmm. So that, unfortunately, the hide and seek was like your classic middle child. It didn't get as much attention as book one and book three. Oh, my goodness, it's getting all the attention. (laughs) So uh, I do enjoy the characters that um, I've created in Liar. Well, good. Well, you said your book's you know, they're murder mysteries with a message. Yes, ma'am. And from like surrender, one of the messages may be, if you don't deal with it, it's going to deal with you. What are other messages that your books convey? So off the top of my head, when I speak to people about my books, I always like to say they're basically three or four things you'll get from reading my novels. The first thing you'll get, you'll be entertained. There are a lot of plot twists and turns. So just there, I know I'm a little prejudiced, but this is what the folks who read my books say to me as well. My books are page turners. So you kind of never know what's going to happen one moment to the next. You're going to laugh because Morgan, uh, I try to write her as a very human person. So she does very human things. And you're going to be taken on a spiritual journey. And I think that's what you're talking about, Gail. Mm-hmm. There's um, a spiritual thread in, in all of my books that I take pride in. And I have taken as a charge from up above to keep this something that he would approve of and that he is ordaining. So in that, you may mention of that quote, how about surrender to the pain and win the war, right? One of my favorite quotes from any of either of my books, books one or two is, God, I'm asking for your wisdom here. Take away this fear and let your will be done and not mine. Often it's our will that gets Mm -hmm. us into trouble. Mm -hmm. This is just a little sarcastic one I can think of. There's good help out there, psychological help. Why don't you get some? (laughs) 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 Well, with that, I want to go back to lies because I think sometimes Uh there may be a psychological component to lying. 
Mm-hmm. Whether it be we're trying to protect ourselves, whether we're trying to be something we're not, whether we have some deceit that we're trying to convey or do. So mm-hmm. what are your thoughts about lying, period? You know, is this something that we all do? Yeah. You know, as I quote the book and the book, which quotes me from a TED talk that I did, human beings lie. We That's just something we do. I, I don't know if it's been determined whether or not how much of it is taught, but that is something human beings do. I think we make the difference in lies when we believe the lies, the, when we believe the detrimental lies, right? There are basically two types of lies. People believe lies or people tell lies. And when you start believing the lie is when you get into that trouble. Yeah. And why do people tell lies? I guess that's my question. I mean, I can say I've lied. I've lied Mm -hmm, on occasion, mm -hmm. but I think that I've lied consciously, Mm -hmm. meaning there was a reason I was lying. And I even Mm -hmm. had to practice the lie. You know, Joe, we talked about having to practice things. I would even practice the lie. I don't think I'm a good liar, but if I really want to lie, I practice it over and over again. (laughs) And I've, as you talked about, I've convinced myself, I've had a moment with God and convinced him that this is right. (laughs) I am going to lie. And this is what I should be doing. You know, so what are your thoughts on that? So With that, there actually is a school of thought that people lie for one of two reasons. The one, the liar believes that he or she is going to yield more from telling a lie than from telling the truth, right? And two, the liar is unable to discriminate what truth really is. And I think that number two is the one that gets most of us in the trouble, right? That's the number two is oftentimes the one that can lead to criminal behavior and to thinking poorly about yourself because you get conflicted and confused about who I am as opposed to who someone else says that you are, right? Right. And in your TED Talk, you talked about how we're told sometimes by adults who we hold in high esteem, we're told lies about ourselves. All the time. And the worst thing we could do is believe those lies. This is what I've done for myself. And I try to convey this in my writing as well. One of the biggest things I had to do was to get quiet and to have a few conversations with God and realize who he created in me. And not only was I having conversations with him, but he he also invited me to have conversations with therapists. And I was blessed that my first therapist early on in life was a Christian-based therapist. But I'll be the first to tell you that there are all sorts of therapists out there. There are great therapists who aren't Christian-based as well. So it Mm -hmm. just depends on who God has placed in your life. And uh, through therapy and all that self-reflection, one of the other first things I had to do was to realize the lies and realize that I had become the person telling the lies, right? to myself. And not only was I telling the lies to myself, I was believing them. Mm-hmm. Once I became clear about all of that and through therapy, I then had to give grace to those people that lied to me because chances are they were lied to as well. 
So once I removed that component of anger and hurt and disappointment, I was able to see myself in a better light and not only see myself in a better light, have those moments when those lies come up uh, inside of me and I start doubting myself and what I'm doing and and who do you think you are? It's kind of, that's the the drumbeat that'll go on in my head. I'm able to more readily call those thoughts out for what they are, lies. And then calling them out for being lies, I'm able to shut them down. And it really is for me a matter of stopping the chatter, the internal negative chatter. Once I'm able to stop the chatter, I can move forward. And that's with anything in life, honestly, even with doing this podcast every now and then you can have those moments of, oh, no, what what are you saying? Oh, that doesn't make any sense. Stop. Just stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Just stop it. You know, as I'm thinking here, your character in the book actually speaks to some of the lies that Black women, I think, are told. You know, Mm. for instance, we talked about maybe you can't achieve and be a doctor. Maybe someone has actually been told that or that you're not smart. You know, you're not going to be the first in your class. You're not going to get the promotion. I think there have been lies that probably a number of Black women have been told over their lifespan constantly that you have to reprogram yourself to work against. Absolutely. I think on a regular basis with those microaggressions, right? Because they tap Mm -hmm. into what, it's almost like a heat-seeking missile, those types of events in our lives. They look to find those places of insecurity and self-doubt. And they look to find those places until they find them or until you cut it off, until you stop that missile. Yeah, as African-Americans, we do struggle with that challenge. But, you know, that is our cross to bear. And that is something I believe that has made us stronger, wiser, in many ways, a better people and not better than anyone else, but better in terms of the best you can be for yourself. We're all a work in progress. All of the wonderful races of the world, and this is part of our work to continue to peel back those personal layers and nixing those lies that have been told and that are still being told about us and that we hear on the regular. It's our cross to bear. So Jill, the book that's coming out, Liar, that's Mm -hmm. the third of a series of, is it five books? you're planning to write or yeah at this point it's fine but you know what honestly Gail and Tia writing books is a grind and (laughs) in the middle of each book I go through this I'm not doing this again this is hard this is it and uh, but yeah it's fine (laughs) (laughs) well tell us what makes you pick up that pen again I'll say that's multifaceted as well. And I know my thinking is you're thinking, well, don't you just have a simple answer? No, some of my answers are simple, but that was It's not, no, it's fine. (laughs) So what keeps me picking up the pen, quote unquote, is at this point, at this age that I am right now, I have become so much more into my relationship with God and being obedient. Gail and Tia is primary in my life because he has brought me through so much. It is just so crystal clear that, but not for my God, I wouldn't be where I am. And I can hear his uh, words and I know to 
be obedient. And this is one of the things he has charged me with to continue writing. And not only that, even if I decided one day, you know, just going to put you on the side, God, and I'm going to do what I want. Even if I decided that what I want to do, what I do is write. I write. Mm -hmm. When I don't write books, I journal. When Mm -hmm. I am not writing books, I'm writing about something that happened that I saw across the street. I just want to put it on paper and get it out of my head. Otherwise, it's uh, cyclical in my head. I'm just thinking about it. It's just going around and around and around. When I put it on paper or on my computer, it becomes linear. Mm -hmm. It's no longer a circle in my head, if that makes any sense. It does. I get it. Okay. And we hope you keep picking up that pen. Me too. And continue <laughs> with this series. Jill, tell us where we can find your books. So honestly, you can find my books at almost any place that sells books. Amazon, mm-hmm. Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, most outlets that sell books sell Surrender and Hide and Seek and soon to be released Liar. And also you can, uh, the easy route, everybody's doing things online right now. So obviously Amazon is a quick route, or you can go to my website and, and go through that as well at www.jillcollins.net. Okay. All right. And we should say you can get it quickly on Kindle. That's what I did. I quickly got that it as immediately well. on Kindle mm-hmm. and that's the quickest, <laughs> that's the quickest <laughs> way Absolutely. to start, start reading her series. Yeah. And Jill, Liar will be released in a couple of weeks? Oh, I wish. No. Yeah. In in March, Mm -hmm. early to Mm mid-March. Okay, great. Well, we will look for that and we will pay attention to your website and I'm sure you'll make an announcement there. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, great. So jillcollins.net, correct? jillcollins.net. That's it. Okay, great. And actually you can go to, if you go to jillcollins.net, you can learn a little bit more about me. Although I I did say a lot of words today, you can even if you want to know more, you can go to my website and learn even more about Jill Collins. Is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners? Well, I'm glad you asked, Gail. I think one of the things, and I've shared this with you and Tia before, I'd like to thank you two ladies for doing what you're doing and in the way that you're doing it. You know, a lot of folks do podcasts Mm -hmm. and and for all sorts, all sorts of reasons. I'm not privy to all the reasons why you two ladies are doing this particular show, but I know a couple of the reasons. But in reality, what we see is something that makes us proud and you do it very well. So continue on doing what you're doing. Oh, thank you. You're quite welcome. Uh, yeah, right. I wasn't that. fishing for compliments. I wanted to make sure. But we will receive them. <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> we will receive it. Take it, take it ladies. Thank and you. Yeah, you embody what I like seeing about myself in Black women. So thank you. Thank, thank you, you, Jill. Thank you. You're Jill. welcome. You're well, welcome. we so appreciate you taking time to be a part of our show, Black At It, The Next Adventure with Gail and Tia. Good luck with the release of Liar. We'll be looking for it and cheering you on. And please keep picking up that pen because, you know, we enjoy the series of books and we're looking forward to what else Dr. Morgan Jane has in store. Well, can I say this one last thing? The last thing is that I, the next level of Morgan Jane Winters is a television series and I'm working towards creating um, a character or having help with someone helping me to create that character on the small screen. I'll take the large screen too, but the next level is taking her to the small screen where even more people can see her on a regular basis. She is immortalized in print, but I'd like 
it to also be something that folks can look at on TV. So, oh, Jill, oh, that's great. Yeah, I would absolutely love that. And shameless plug, Gail and I are available as extras. So <laughs> if you need someone to walk behind or, you know, be a victim, we can do a die scene easily. Yeah, that's I can it. lay there still. Yeah, I, yeah, Let me audition before. right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, and then thinking and saying that whenever I say that to someone, they always come up with characters they think could play the character of Morgan mm-hmm. and then the character of Jackson Slade. Right. So I'm going to pick your brains, lady, to t- for you all to tell me who you think might be a great oh, Morgan. Okay. I got to think about it. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I know somebody, I just can't remember her name, but it's, um, I think it's Kim. She was in the Tyler Perry movies. You know, Diary of a Mad Black Woman, the main character. Oh, she was the one who Tyler kicked out of the house? Yeah. Yeah, I know you're talking about. Yes. Oh, what is Oh, my God. You know, she's such a great actress. And she is. Can't believe I can't remember her name. Drawing blanks. Yeah. Right. We're just blanking. I know who you're talking about. I can't, but for any gorgeous black man, I always go to Morris Chestnut. (laughs) 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 That's who I go to. So That's Jackson could be That's Morris Chestnut. I, I always just go there. That's a classic. You can never go wrong. Yeah. That's Morris a good yeah, no. Any good. age he plays it, it he can do it all. Yeah. It's yeah. Kimberly Elise. Yeah. And yes. I, please, yes. my apologies if she ever listens to this. Kimberly <laughs> Elise. She is a fantastic. Yeah, actress. I love her, too. I do she love is. her. Absolutely. That's and right. I think I she it. could look like Dr. Winters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. All right. So there you go. Thanks for playing along. All right. (laughs) I'm now going to be quiet again. (laughs) Well, Jill, this has been great. Thanks so much for being on Black At It, the next adventure with Gail and Tia. And Tia, as always, it's a pleasure. Same here. And we will talk to you all soon. Don't forget to go to our Facebook group. Join the group Black At It vibe tribe we look forward to seeing you there we put postings about our guests as well as some inspiration and we can have some conversation so please go there as well take care bye everyone Uh.